Well, I want to say good morning to all of those of you who are joining us today. Uh, happy Father's Day. And I have to give a shout out, first of all, to my three boys, James, Jonathan, and Joshua. I could not ask for three finer sons, the joy they brought into my life, my three best buddies in the whole world. I love my boys so much and the mother of my children. I got to give a shout out to the love of my life, Teresa. I wrote in my journal this morning, I thank the Lord that he allowed me and to marry her and to have her to be the great mom of my family. So to all of you who are out there, happy, happy Father's Day to you. And if you're a dad, you'll really appreciate the story I'm about to share with you. The name is Dr. Nicholas Waterstorff. I'm sure you probably haven't heard of him, but he is Professor Emeritus of Philosophical Theology at Yale University. That ought to tell you all you need to know. He is a widely respected author. He's a philosopher. He's a teacher. His son tragically died at the age of 25 in a mountain climb accident. So if you're a dad, you can kind of resonate with this. You can imagine how devastated he was. And he later wrote a, uh, about this experience in a book. And he made this observation. When we have overcome absence with phone calls, winglessness with airplanes, summer heat with air conditioning, when we've overcome all these and much more besides, then there will abide two things with which we must cope, the evil in our hearts and death. Those are two things that all of us from all walks of life have to cope with. It doesn't matter whether you're a Caucasian, African-American, Asian, Hispanic. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you have a PhD or you can't read a word. Those two things don't play any favorites. They come to all of us. They're universal. Nobody can deny that there's evil in the human heart. And certainly nobody can deny that we're all going to die. And Israel's greatest king, a man by the name of David, agreed with Dr. Wartersdorf 100%. We're in a series we're calling uh, Pitch Perfect. We're in the book of Psalms, the 23rd Psalm. I invite you to turn to that where you're watching right now. We're in the fourth verse today. And there's this one stanza that echoes the good professor right on key. He says exactly the same thing thousands of years ago. Listen to what he wrote. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David hits us with two heavy words, evil and death. And too often, as we know, those words do go together. We face evil every day. And one day, we're all going to face death. And between those two words is that word fear. Now, I'll be honest with you. I find very few people who will admit they're afraid of death. As a matter of fact, most people will say, oh, I'm not afraid to die. Well, I, I'm not afraid uh, of death. And, and I believe most people are being honest. I can honestly say to you, I'm not afraid to die. But I think if we were all honest, we would say, you know, there is this fear of the unknown of death. Because let's face it, we only get to do it one time. And we don't know what it's like until we do it, and then we don't ever get to do it again. The eminent philosopher, the great, brilliant philosopher, Jerry Seinfeld, he said this, according to most studies, people's number one fear is public speaking, and number two is death. That means to the average person, if you have to go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy. <laughs> now, that may be true, but whether or not you fear death, you do have to face it. 
And here's the cold hard truth. When we face death, we're basically going to face it one of two ways. With hope or without hope. You'll face it hopeful or you'll face it hopeless. Either we believe in, in, in our hearts that this life is all there is or there's more to life than this life. And I want to be very candid, particularly if you're not a believer, if you're a skeptic, you're not into this Christian business. Let me tell you why I believe everybody should at least stop and think and consider Christianity. Because I don't know of any faith, any religion, any philosophy, any worldview, any spiritual concept that gives more hope for death and more help for evil than Christianity. Because if this verse is true, if what David wrote is true, to rephrase Winston Churchill, death is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. It's just the end of the beginning. I like to walk. Teresa and I like to walk our neighborhood. One of these days, we're all going to take what I call the last walk. And here's the bad news. Humanly speaking, you have to take that walk by yourself. Nobody can take it with you. It's the walk with death. We don't know where, we don't know when, we don't know how, but we're going to take that walk. So what I want to do today, and let's do what David did. Let, let's look ahead to, walk that, to what that walk could be like and where that walk could lead. Because here's the great news. If you know the God of life and death, the walk, the last walk you take, will be the best walk you'll ever take. And here's what David says. He says, number one, we walk to the prospect of death. Every morning when you get up, you're walking closer and closer to death. Every morning when you get up, you're taking a step closer to death. So David says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, you may not know this, but I've been to Israel many times, and there's actually a valley in Israel that's called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. It's a steep, dark, narrow canyon that's located so about halfway between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. This, this canyon, this, this valley is so dark that the sun can only reach it when it's directly overhead. As a matter of fact, this verse actually literally says, though I walk through the valley of deep, darkness. I imagine David had been through that valley many, many times. And it's so fascinating to me that David compares death to walking through a valley of deep darkness. And there's no doubt we're going to walk through that valley. You know, it's kind of strange. We have a little Boston Terrier. Her name is Pocky. Pocky's 10 years old. <clears throat> She's basically blind. She has a lot of joint trouble now. And, 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 and frankly, she's probably beginning that process of dying. Now, here's the strange thing. That little dog does not know she's dying, but I know she's dying, and I know I'm dying. You know you're dying, and the strange thing is human beings are the only creatures on earth that realize they're going to die, and we are. As a matter of fact, that word though, even though I walk, should be better translated when, because death is not a question of whether, it is a question of when. Now, keep this in mind. All we're talking about this entire series is a shepherd and a sheep. And if you were a shepherd back in the day, you would really appreciate what David is saying here because there was a certain time of the year when shepherds would lead their sheep from the lowlands up to the highlands. And the reason he would do that is because when it got hot, the snow on top of the mountain would begin to melt. 
And it would give fresh water and fresh grass where the sheep could eat and drink. So there would be that certain time of the year where the sheep, the shepherd would know, all right, it's time to take the sheep from the lowlands to the highlands, down through the valley, up to the mountain, because down where they'd been for all these months, the grass is now barren because of the summer sun, water had dried up. So we would take them up to the highlands where it was cooler, where it was more refreshing. So the, the shepherd would lovingly guide the sheep through the valley up to the mountaintop where they could lie down beside green pastures and rest beside still waters. Now, there's a reason why the shepherd always took the sheep through the valley because the valley was the only route to get to the mountaintop. The valley was the only route to get to higher ground. You know, every mountain has its valleys. You, if you've got mountains, you've automatically got valleys. And most of the time, if not all the time, the best route and sometimes the only route to the top of the mountain is to go through the valley. That's why David said, I walk through the valley. Now notice, he doesn't run through the valley. He doesn't run away from the valley. He can't go over it, can't go around it, can't go under it. He has to go through it. But here's what's interesting. He's in no hurry. He said, I walk through the valley. Now, a valley is not a dead-end street. It's not a cul-de-sac. You know what a valley is? Think about it this way. A valley is simply a tunnel that is open at both ends. That's what a valley is. It has an entrance. It has an exit. Now, listen to what this next statement. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You say, well, what's that got to do with the valley? Well, once you enter into the tunnel of death, listen, here's the great news. You ready? Once you enter into the tunnel of death, if you know that shepherd, if he is your Lord, there's a light at the end of that tunnel, and that light is Jesus. And David is not, not now listen, David is not walking through the valley of death. He's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And you know what a shadow is, Right? Uh, a shadow is an image without any substance. See, in a real sense, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is such great news. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will never face death. You'll only face the shadow of death. That's why David could say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I'm not really facing death. I'm just facing the shadow of death. There was a great Presbyterian preacher who lived many years ago, a true story. He had three young children and his wife, their mother unexpectedly died, just, just all of a sudden just died. Wasn't even sick, but she died. And, and so they were, uh, he was driving his children to the, to the funeral service, which he was going to preach. And they came to a stoplight. And, and when they came to that stoplight, they were all just so overwhelmed with grief. The, kid, the, grief, the kids were in the back seat. He's in the front seat. The kids are crying. He's crying, and about that time, this huge tractor trailer pulls up right beside them, and it casts this shadow over their car. Well, the dad, being a, a preacher and being a pastor, realized this is a teachable moment. So he turned around to the back seat where the kids were, and he said, kids, look at that truck. Now look at the shadow. He said, which would you rather run over you, the truck or the shadow? Well, his youngest little boy is only five years old. His little boy said, Daddy, I'd rather the shadow run over us because shadows can't hurt anybody. And then that dad said this, Kids, I want you to remember something. Death is just like that truck. But the only thing that will ever touch you is the shadow of that truck. Do you know why? They said, Why, Daddy? He said, Because the truck ran over Jesus. Jesus. 
And the only thing that was left after he ran over Jesus was the shadow of that truck. That's exactly what David was saying. David was saying, death is just a shadow of its former self because of a risen Lord that has conquered death once and for all. But here's the truth. We walk to the prospect of death. Okay, so what happens when you get there? We don't know when, don't know where, don't know how. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, but it's coming. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in the tunnel. You find yourself in the valley. Then what? Now watch this. David says, we not only walk to the prospect of death. He says, when we do, we walk in the presence of the Lord. We walk in the presence of the Lord. David is walking confidently to the prospect of death. No fear of any evil, whether it comes to life or death. How could he do that? How could he be so confident? How could he be so bold? How could he be so calm? Because of four words. Here they are. You are with me. You are with me. Now, I want you to notice the shift in, in David's vocabulary in the beginning of this psalm up to this point. Because up until now, if you read that psalm, go back to the first verse and read, read the first three verses, you and I are the audience. He's talking to us, and he's talking about God. God has been the topic. So he, he, we read the verses this way. The Lord is my shepherd, third person. He makes me lie down, third person. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. It's all in the third person. It's always about God. So he's talking about the shepherd. He's talking to us. God is listening. But in verse 4, he changes. He moves from the third person to the second person. He's no longer talking about the shepherd. He's talking to the shepherd. He was talking to us and God was listening. Now he's talking to God and we're listening. He said, you are with me. See, David knew that sheep never, ever go through valleys alone. You know why? You know why sheep don't, don't go through valleys alone? They'll never make it to the mountaintop. They'll never make it through the valley. You know why? They'll die. They're, they're literally defenseless. And the shepherd is always the security and, and the supply and the safety of the sheep. And remember, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Let me go back to that word shadow for just a moment. Have you ever thought about this? I'm looking at my shadow right now. I'm looking on the floor. I see my shadow. You know what that tells me? I'm surrounded by light. You cannot have a shadow if you don't have light. Anytime there's a shadow, there's a light. Have you ever heard of, of people who are afraid of their own shadows? If you're one of those kind of people, you're just, you know, you're, you're skittish, you're nervous, you're afraid of everything, you're afraid of your own shadow. The next time you get scared of your own shadow, let me tell you what to do. All you have to do if you're afraid of your shadow is real simply, real simple. Turn your back on your shadow and just look to the light. Guess what happens? The moment you turn your back on the shadow and look to the light, you're now looking at the light before you and the shadow falls behind you. By the way, let me tell you another great thing about a shadow. If you ever see your shadow, then you already automatically know something else has to be true. You're not walking in darkness, you're walking in light because you can't see your shadow if you're in complete darkness. So anytime I see my shadow, I know I'm walking in light. That's why it's always better for the sheep to be in the valley with the shepherd than to be on the mountaintop without 
the shepherds. Those four words are always true. David said, you are with me. Those words are always 100% true. Today's Father's Day. And hopefully you're like me. I'm looking so forward to Father's Day because I've got two of my three sons. One lives out of town, can't be here. Two of my three sons are going to be, to be with me. Uh, three of my four grandchildren are going to be, be with me. And the reason why I'm so pumped and so excited is because I'm going to be with the people that I love more than anybody in the world. I'm going to be with the people that I'd rather be with than anybody else in the world. Now, they can't always be with me. And I can't always be with them. But there's something that's always true. No matter where I am, God is always with me. No matter what I'm doing, God is always with me. If nature runs its course, if things go like I think they're supposed to go and will go, one of these days I'm going to leave my wife. One of these days I'm going to leave my boys. One of these days I'm going to leave my grandchildren. But God will never leave me. God will always be with me. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, if you know the shepherd, he is always with you. He will never leave you. See, when you leave this earth, you don't leave God's presence. You take God's presence with you because wherever you go, he is the good shepherd. Now, let me tell you something that's true about a shepherd. This next thing I'm about to say will be worth you listening today. You ready? A shepherd will never lead the sheep where he has not already been. He will never lead the sheep where he has not already been. I'm gonna tell you something that I have preached all of my life and I still don't understand it. I'm gonna tell you something I have preached all of my life and I believe it with all of my being but I still can't get my mind around it. I'm gonna tell you something I preached all of my life and I will never deny it and you can't make me deny it. Y'all, you could kill me before I would, but I still sometimes really don't get it. Are you ready for this? This shepherd, this God himself went before we through the valley of the shadow of death. He did it. He went through the valley of the shadow of death. That same valley that one day we're going to go through he's going to go through. But he came out on the other side. Matter of fact, he came back physically from the dead. And do you know why? You ready for this? Because darkness can't hold light. Light always conquers darkness. Jesus is the light of the world who right now is staying, is, is, is staying in us, who's shining before us, who is standing with us. That's why no believer ever dies alone. I was reading the other day about a, a, a sad story, really, about a young mother who got the coronavirus and she died. And she couldn't, her family could not visit her. And they said she died alone. I was reading that uh, on, online the other day and I thought to myself, not if she knew Jesus. If you are a believer, if you know the shepherd, you never die alone. God is always with us. So yes, we walk to the prospect of death. Don't know when, where, or how, but one day, I mean, in the blink of an eye, you're in the tunnel, you're in the vision, you're, you're in the valley. But we walk in the presence of the Lord. Because I'm telling you, I believe more than even in this life, the moment you take your breath, your last breath, you're gonna experience the presence of the shepherd and the presence of God like you've never felt it before. But it gets even better. As we walk to the prospect of death, 
As we walk in the presence of the Lord, here's why we don't have to fear any evil. Watch this. We walk with the protection of the shepherd. We walk with the protection of the shepherd. See, there are two bookends to our days, which is why we should never fear life or death. Never fear anything in life or fear anything after life. Never fear what we're going through in life or even in death. Because not only do we have the presence of the Lord, we have the protection of the shepherd. Listen to what he says. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, a shepherd always carried two things. He never went anywhere without these two things, never. He always had a rod and he always had a staff. Now, a shepherd carried a rod because when a shepherd began to guide his flock, he would go into the bush. Here's what he would do. He would cut down a young sapling and, and, and he would carve it and he would whittle it. And, and, and with great care. And then he would take the enlarged base where of that sapling, this base right here, where, where the sapling, where the, where the trunk would join the root. And, and it would be shaped, and he would shape it into this smooth, rounded head of hardwood. It'd be anywhere from one to three feet long, something about like this. And it would be shaped to fit the shepherd's hand perfectly. He could just walk. It was very easy to walk with it. He never, ever let it go. It was always in his hand. That rod became an extension of the shepherd's right arm. It was a symbol of strength and a symbol of power. Now, what was the purpose of the rod? It only had one purpose. The purpose of the rod was to guard the sheep to make sure that no danger came to the sheep. As a matter of fact, sometimes the shepherd would take that rod and he would, he would go to this smooth part. He would drive pieces of metal into that, into that knob. And, and just think about it. With, that, with this weapon, he could kill bears, lions, wolves, snakes, any kind of wild animal at all. And whenever the sheep would see that rod, there'd be this calmness. There'd be this peace because they knew that shepherd could protect them from any evil. They knew that as long as the shepherd was there and he had his rod, they would always be protected. But then the shepherd had a staff. Now, where the rod was to guard the sheep, the staff was to guide the sheep. The rod was to protect the sheep. The staff was to direct the sheep. I mean, I know you know this. This is the universal symbol of a shepherd. This is the major tool of a shepherd. This is what identifies someone as a shepherd. Nobody in the world, nobody in the world has these tools as a profession except a shepherd. Nobody carries a rod. Nobody carries a staff 24-7 except a shepherd. Nobody does that. Only a shepherd does that. And so here's what would happen. This shepherd would go to a very young sapling. While it was green, he would cut that sapling down, and it was, it was green, it was kind of pliable, it was flexible, and he would bend the top of that staff, or he would soak it in water, and he would bend the top of that staff, or to form a crook. 
And then he would take it out and let it dry and get hard. And it would be just the right size, just perfect, where he could reach the neck of that sheep. If that sheep started to wander off, and he could pull that sheep back into the flock. Or, or sometimes he could just take the tip of that staff. If he saw a sheep kind of, uh, you know, wandering off, he could just take the side of that staff and just put it to the side of that sheep and just gently guide it back and keep that sheep in line and keep that sheep close to the flock. It was about this long, about four or five feet long, and he was an expert at handling that staff. And he needed it because when sheep were going up the side of a mountain, they'd be close to a, a dangerous path or they'd be on a dangerous path and, and, and they, a difficult path and they could easily fall off. And so again, here's, here goes the sheep. He'd take maybe the sheep and, and he'd just kind of guide that sheep back. Nope, you can't go that way. Now, if the sheep were stubborn, and trust me, sheep are stubborn. If the sheep were stubborn, he could just hook, that sheep, hook the crook of this uh, staff around the sheep's neck and literally just pull him back into line because sometimes the sheep would wander off. They, they, just, they just didn't know any better. So it was the shepherd's job to make sure that they all stayed together. So this was the tool that he would use to do that. Sometimes the sheep, you know, he can't watch them all the time, all, you know, at, at every moment. Sometimes that sheep might slip and he might slip over a steep ravine or he might get tangled in a, in a thorn bush or he might stumble into a rocky creek bed. And then that shepherd would just very gently, but very expertly take this crook. He'd put it under the belly of that lamb or that sheep. He'd gently pull that sheep up and by, by, or sometimes maybe by the nape of the neck and he'd pull him back into the fold. He would make sure that that, that that sheep was taken care of and that that sheep was protected. Now, here's the point. Here's what David was saying. If you walk with God through your life, if you follow Jesus as your shepherd, if you want to be one of his sheep, he says, I'll walk with you through life and I'll walk with you in death. And you don't have to fear anything on either side of the valley because I've got a rod that's going to protect you. And I've got a shepherd's crook that's going to direct you. You know, one of my favorite verses in the book of Psalms is Psalm 115, 116, 15. Here's what it says. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. I want you to think about that. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. By the way, the word precious there, it doesn't mean so much valuable. That word literally means carefully attended to and watched over. See, here's the beautiful picture. One of these days, I'm going to take that last walk. And one of these days, you're going to take that last walk. But when you do, it will be in God's time. It will be in God's sight. It will be with God's presence, and it will be in God's protection. I want to close with this. This will be worth the whole price of admission. A thousand years after David wrote these words, another Bethlehem shepherd came along. He was called the Good Shepherd. He said this. He said, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, what I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, now listen to this, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. 
Now, I want you to listen to what Jesus just said. You talk about a promise. He said, I'm leaving you right now. By the way, you'll still have a shepherd. He's the Holy Spirit. But I'm leaving you right now. I'm going to prepare a place for you. But he said, when it's time for you to leave this earth and come home, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. If you don't think your death is a big deal to Jesus, if you don't think your death is precious in the eyes of God, think about it this way. Jesus doesn't delegate this task to anybody else. He says, when it's time for you to cross the valley, he said, I'll come get you. When it's time for you to enter into that tunnel, he says, when it's time for you to come home, I'm personally going to come and pick you up. The Lord may send a missionary to preach to you. He, he may send a teacher to guide you. He may send a doctor to heal you. He may send a friend to encourage you. But he doesn't send anybody to take you home. He doesn't send anybody to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, you know what? I'm reserving that job for myself. I'm going to do it with you. So one day, when we take that last walk to death, we're going to enter into this valley of deep darkness. But the light of the world will be with us. His rod will guard us. His staff will guide us. And oh, by the way, it's a really short walk. It's only two steps. One step, you leave this world. And the next step, you enter his world. And because of Jesus, that last walk will be the best walk you've ever taken. Would you just bow your heads where you are right now and just let me just say a word to a special group of people. One of two things is true. You either know about the shepherd or you know about him and you know him. I just wonder who's listening to me today. And God forbid if today had been the day, if last night had been the night you had entered into the valley of the shadow of death, you would not have had a light to guide you. You would have walked through that valley by yourself and you would have come out and you would have walked out into an eternity without a shepherd, without the God who made you and the God that loved you. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, died for his sheep. He gave his life, literally gave his life and came back from the grave. So the one thing we never have to fear anymore ever is death. And I want to tell you the mark of a true Christian. A true Christian is not someone who says they're ready to die. A lot of people say they're ready to die, they're not a Christian. A true Christian is someone who knows they're ready to die for the right reason. You know why I'm ready to die? You know why I don't fear death and I really don't? No, I don't know what it's like. I don't know what those two steps are like, so I'm going to take them one time. That I don't know, but I'll tell you what I do know. I do know the moment that I take that first step, he will be with me. His rod and his staff, they'll comfort me. And the next step I take will be into the presence of God like I've never experienced it before. Some of you can't say that if you're honest. Oh, you may have been baptized. You may have joined a church. You may be religious, but you don't know this shepherd. You've never trusted in this shepherd. I just want to give you a chance to do it right now. Would you just right now, if, if you would say, you know, boy, 
Pastor, that's what I want. I, I don't know when I'm going to walk through that door. Nobody does, but I want to be ready to take that step and know that the hand of God will take me. The rod and the staff will protect me and guide me, and he'll be with me all the way to the end. Then just tell him this right now. Say, Lord Jesus, today I want you to be my shepherd forever. I'm a lost sheep. I'm defenseless. I'm helpless. I can't save myself. But I believe you, the good shepherd, died for my sins. I believe you came back from the grave. I believe you're alive right now. So today, I trust you as my Savior. I surrender to you as my Lord. I repent of my sins. I turn away from my sins. And I ask you to come into my heart. And I ask you to save me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me today. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to do something right now. I want you to text. If you've got a phone or an iPad, you can do this. Text a number 31996 and just text, yes, Jesus. Just that's all you gotta do. Do it right now. If you prayed that prayer with me, just say, yes, I made that decision. Just text, yes, Jesus, okay? It's right here. You can see it. Yes, Jesus, 31996. Or go to crosspoint with an E, crosspointchurch.com forward slash decision. Either way you want to do it. By the way, if you are a first-time guest, we'd like to send you a gift. If you will just send a text and just let us know, hey, I'm a first-time guest or I'm a first-time visitor, we would love to send you a gift just for watching us today. So as we close this uh, service out in just a moment, we've got one more word for you. Let me just say again to all you dads, happy Father's Day to all of you. I pray that, like me, you're a godly dad, not just a good dad, but a godly dad. I'm not a perfect dad, but I'm a godly dad. And I pray that you also are doing what every father should do. You should, under the guidance and the leadership of your shepherd, shepherd the flock God's given you. Lead them to come to know that shepherd as well. I just can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this series. I want to thank you. We've had thousands of people watching each week. Thank you for watching. Thank you for praying for us. And may the Lord give all of you a great day and especially a wonderful Father's Day.